Welcome to the Boss Level. My name is Enigma, and this is my gaming podcast. I'm a 15-year gaming industry veteran. I worked in retail for 15 years. We're going to get a lot into that today as uh, we talk about today's topic. And uh, I'm a game, game collector, lifelong game collector, and a Twitch streamer. I am on Twitch under Evil Enigma. Enigma is with a Y. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram with those handles. And uh, that's where I, Twitter in particular is where I tell people when I'm streaming. Uh, usually my schedule right now, since I'm working again, is Friday nights. About 9, 9.30 to midnight. Saturday nights, 9, 9.30 to midnight. And then Sunday mornings, about 9 to noon, usually. That's Central Standard Time, because I live outside of Chicago. And uh, that's my, my Twitch schedule. Thanks for everyone who's congratulated me on my new job. I am, so far, pretty happy with it. We'll see what happens. But uh, as of right now, I'm I'm making money again. So that's uh, that's what's that's pretty important. So... Uh, today's podcast is going to be a little bit of, I'm, I'm going to, I have a lot to say about this, this subject. Uh, it's, I'm opening the forbidden door. I am a 15 year gaming industry veteran. 10 years of that was spent at a particular company I have not mentioned on this podcast. Uh, but most people know I worked for them and that's because if they, I, I talk about them on stream from time to time and that is GameStop. So for 10 years of my life, I ran a GameStop. Now, before GameStop, I actually did do gaming retail work as well. I was even a buyer for a game, uh, a, a chain of game stores for about a year. So uh, I have a very, very in-depth business mind about the gaming industry, especially with gaming retail, knowing what sells, how much it costs to get these things. Because as a buyer, I was fully aware of what I was paying for. Among other things, you know, so, uh, and then of course the executive position at GameStop when you're a store manager, you, uh, you're in an executive position in just about every facet of the business. You are in charge of operations, sales, inventory, scheduling, human resources, you know, you write reviews, you, you are basically the president and CEO of your store. Now that the president of your store, now the CEO would be your DM or whoever would come in, but for the most part. For the for five or six years, I, I ran my store pretty much without any problems. You know, it was fine. I hired good people. I am still friends with some of them to this day. I'm very happy about that. And uh, we, we made money. I turned a store that uh, I, I opened a store that uh, was, I turned a, a new store profitable in two years. And that was very, very good. I only, I, in fact, I was nearly profitable my first year. I missed it by only a couple thousand bucks. So uh, I, that's unheard of, basically, with with uh, retail to turn a store profitable in in uh, less than three or four years. Because you have to take keep in mind renting the space, buying all the product, getting the fixtures in there, all the posters, the acrylics. Uh, then you have to hire the staff, train the staff, you know, the whole nine yards when it comes to uh, bringing people into a, a new location and, and not to mention getting people to come in because you can, I, you know, there's trip malls all over the place here. Or I could open a store immediately, but getting people to come in, that would be a little difficult. So uh, GameStop uh, became profitable in my location due to a lot of different things, but the fact that, that I took a store from from uh, nothing to being profitable in, in a very short amount of time, I take a lot of pride in that. I still mention it to this day when I'm doing job interviews. So, uh, coming also from a business perspective, not only did I it was on executive position, you know, as a store manager to uh, 
to take care of all those things I mentioned. Uh, I also am speaking from a highly educated perspective because I do have a master's degree in business. So when I'm talking about the business of gaming, I'm coming from it uh, from a two-pronged attack. I know I know pretty much what I'm talking about, and I know that the business is changing now, and we're going to get into that towards the end of this podcast. But uh, we're going to open the forbidden door here and talk about a company I have not mentioned in the podcast to this point because they're not paying me anymore, and we did not end on the best of terms. And since I left them in May of 2012, I've set foot in one of in in their stores exactly three times, and I've only given them money once. And it was a bad uh, uh, transaction. When I bought my PlayStation 5, I had to buy a stupid bundle. And one of the, bun- the games in that bundle was a game I did not care about. The NBA 2K, whatever it was, the year that the PlayStation came out. I got lucky to get one. I'm not complaining about that. But I took the game back to one of their stores and said I'd rather have something else. So I was going to tr- swap it out for something else. And uh, they told me that I uh, could not do that. I'd have to return the entire bundle. So I uh, told them, well, that's it. I'm out. You guys forget it. I know the kid, and I wasn't mad behind about, about the kid behind the counter. The kid behind the counter was doing was was doing his marching orders. And, and let me preface this whole thing by saying, uh, before we get into the minutia of this whole thing, the people in the in the in the stores, the field personnel in the stores, your store managers and down below, ninety nine percent of them are very good people who are overworked, underpaid and underappreciated okay they're catching it from the customers and they're catching it from the company and especially during the holidays so don't go into your local GameStop and harass the guys the kids that are working there uh, because it's not their fault it is not uh, I always said that if I if they were to make me CEO of GameStop tomorrow, the first thing I would do is fire all middle management. And I still believe that, that the downfall of GameStop started with middle management. And we'll get more in, into that whole thing as we talk about why GameStop is failing. Uh, I, they're in the, the news right now because they're laying people off again. Uh, seems to be that every time we're talking about the, the GameStop's in the news, it's something negative. They can't keep a CEO. Uh, they, they change their business focus, which I thought was smart to be completely fair, uh, when they said they were trying to make a hub, a, a place for gamers to go and hang out and talk, I thought was brilliant because when I ran a store, I had a lot of people, that's what they wanted. And uh, my boss got exceedingly mad that I had regular customers who would come in and stand around and talk to us for two or three hours at a time because they wanted, they just wanted to talk. They just wanted to talk about games and talk about what was going on. And GameStop was their their hangout. They I had several customers like that, and they didn't like that, you know. They, but uh, when I first joined GameStop, I believe it was two thousand and two, two thousand and three, right around in there, they um, they were a pretty decent company. Uh, they had. Uh, they they were negative because of what they did to Funko Land, which we can get into Funko Land in another podcast, uh, but. Basically, GameStop bought Funko Land, and then they systematically dismantled Funko Land. Like they would go in and take these guys that had been there for ten, however, you know, ten, twelve years, and um, systematically 
fired all of them. I mean, it was to find a, to, the way I heard it put to me was finding a Funko manager that was still with GameStop was finding a great white elk. You know, they, it was like finding a four leaf clover. They just, they did not exist anymore. But, um, you know, they had a negative connotation of that. But as far as the nonsense about reservations and subs, yeah, they still had all that stuff. They still had their circle of life. Uh, if you can Google search circle of, circle of life all you want to, uh, I'm sure there's stuff all over the place about it. But basically, it starts the reservation. Reservations go into trade-ins of used game, uh, trade-ins of, of used games, because you want to trade in your used games to get your brand new game. Those turn into used sales. And used sales equal Game Informer cards. Game Informer cards get you magazines. Magazines let you know what's coming out, which goes back to reservations. That's the circle of life with GameStop. It's been around forever, uh, and I'm sure they still beat that drum like crazy. I don't think it's a bad model. I never thought it was a bad model. And uh, I will honestly, before we get into the minutia of things, I need to tell you th this as well. Um, for some of what they say, GameStop says, they're right. Okay. They cannot operate a f surviving business off of only new product. They cannot. Uh, as I said prior, I was a buyer for a game, exchange of game stores for a while. I know pretty much what GameStop's paying for their product. Because if I paid X amount of dollars for a product to get stuff into my store, and I only had two stores, I'm sure GameStop's getting a much bigger premium because they would buy them in bulk, much higher uh, quantities, and they were the biggest account for a long time with with uh, the big three. Uh, so, yes... Uh, they're only making, you know, a sixty-dollar game. They're probably paying forty-five and change to get it in the store. They make almost nothing off of of uh, game consoles. A five hundred-dollar PlayStation uh, Five. They probably cost them four ninety-five and change to get it in there before shipping. So, and then they do make money off of accessories. Accessories are are the big thing in strategy guides because they don't buy strategy guides based off of units. They base them, they buy them based off of poundage. So, uh, because paper is very heavy to ship, they make a lot of money off of strategy guides and a lot of money off of, of, of accessories, but the bread and butter of the, of the industry of the, of their stores, games, video games, new video games, the place to go for brand new stuff. They cannot sustain a huge business model or a, or a, a store business model based off of what they make only on new games. It's, there's just not enough margin there. You're making 15 bucks per new game. That sounds like that's not too bad, but then you have to factor in overhead. You got to factor in rent. You got to factor in labor. You got to factor in all the stuff that goes into running the business and keeping the lights on. So that 15 bucks per, per game, that probably goes down to about two or three, four or five, maybe $5 maximum of, of actual profit per, per game sale. And that's not a lot when you're dealing with retail and all the other hidden expenses that can come up with it with, uh, with, with retail. I, I, I would have to sit down with a calculator and figure out their, their model cause they're not paying their employees anything. But, uh, at the same time, I'd have to look at what they're paying, you know, all their overheads for per store and all that sort of stuff to see exactly what they're, they're, uh, they're making. But for the most part, I'm telling you that, uh, and I do honestly believe that they are correct when they say that 
that uh, what they make off of off of new games cannot sustain the business. That's why they they carry used games. They have to make more money off of used games than they do new games. Otherwise, there's no sense in keeping up with the inventory. Uh, that is, go ahead and and put a big exclamation point next to that if you're taking notes. If they're not going to make more money off of used games than they off of are, they are off of new games, there's no sense in them carrying new games. Because if you ask a gamer. They will almost always tell you they'd rather have a brand new product than have a used product. Just about always. I would love it if I could walk into a store and find a brand new copy of Super Mario Brothers on the, on the Nintendo. But unfortunately, that doesn't happen anymore. You have to buy them used because of, of, of uh, retro. You know, and they don't make Nintendo games anymore. But uh, GameStop is right about that. That all being said, I don't agree with them on a lot of other things. And the way that they've run their businesses, a big reason that I'm no longer there is because I would speak out against a lot of the practices they were taking. And uh, I was labeled as a trouble trouble child because I would... I, the the best example I can I can tell you is is that uh, I don't know if they still offer these or not, but when I when e, we but they bought EB, uh, EB had these things called GPGs. They called them gameplay guarantees, and they were made. It was during a time period where they were needed, uh, back on the PlayStation Two and Xbox uh, time and and PlayStation One and that sort of stuff. If you scratched the disc and it didn't work, it had you had a year guarantee on it for a couple of bucks. And uh, you just bring in the game and say, yeah, it doesn't work anymore. They'd swap it out. No big deal. As long as they could, of course. With When PlayStation 3 came out and Blu-rays became involved, the game changed. Significantly. Uh, because Blu-rays are unscratchable or at least they say they're unscratchable there's a plastic coating on the bottom of the discs uh, they make it to where if you scratch the disc you're scratching that coating you're not actually scratching the data layers underneath that so they, that was a selling point of the original blu-rays if, if you go back and you get one of the original blu-rays that had come out like i think one of my first ones was underworld evolution uh and you opened up the thing, there was a, th- a, a pamphlet in there about the benefits of buying Blu-ray. They all said scratch-resistant in that pamphlet. So anyone who is an early adopter of Blu-rays knows that because they would get those, those things, and that was a selling point of, of Blu-rays. Well, something had come out, an Uncharted game or something. I think it was Uncharted. And I didn't, for PlayStation 3, Blu-ray, and I didn't take any, I didn't even offer the, the uh, gameplay guarantees because they're, it's a, it's... A waste of money it's a waste of customers money and I looked out for my customers and my boss called me my district manager and we'll get more into my district managers <laughs> cracking my knuckles uh, here in a little bit and he said you didn't sell any GPGs and I said I know I didn't and he said well so you're not even offering it and I said why would I offer it on blu-rays and he says well, why why wouldn't you and I told him I said well blu-rays are unscratchable and he said, well, don't tell your customers that. He was he actively told me to rip off my customers, is what he was telling me to do. Don't tell your customers that Blu-rays are unscratchable. Sell them the GPG. So, 
that was the 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 EB merger was when GameStop really screwed the pooch. When they bought their competition, they really uh, had a lot of problems. And the problems weren't with personnel because of the the negative connotation that GameStop had due to to the Funko Land purchase and the bloodletting that they did with Funko Land. They swore up and down they wouldn't do that with EB, and they didn't, to their credit. They didn't. There were people who left on their own because a lot of store managers for EB uh, left because uh, left after because they worked for GameStop prior and they realized the kind of company that they were, so they 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 left. So yes, uh, there's that, but uh, you know basically they they merged the two companies seamlessly, they split everything up, and uh, the my first district manager after the merger was an EB guy, and I was GameStop, and it turned into a big fiasco because personally the, my district manager was a nice guy like I, I I'm not going to mention his name uh, because I don't want any negative connotation coming to him but he was a nice guy that being said he didn't like being questioned and um, I I took a lot of offense to the fact that I knew what I was talking about and he took that as me questioning his authority and that's not what it is if you're questioning guys in business if someone's questioning uh something if they're being critical of something it's because they wanted to get better not because they look for, they're looking for something to complain about and that's something that a lot of uneducated people in business and middle management don't understand is that that there are people out there who criticize not because they're trying to tear people down or make everything negative they're trying to well they want things to improve and that's what i wanted i wanted things to get better i wanted things to improve and uh that's not the way that my district managers after the eb merger saw it they thought they looked at me as being problematic because and i hate that word but uh because i would speak out and and say hey this doesn't make any sense you know, I, I, I can tell you that one of my first calls with my second EB district manager that I had, after a couple of years, my old district manager, they reshuffled and I went to another one. We were on a conference call and they were complaining about the Game Informer cards or the Powerful Words cards. And I, I said something to the effect of, well, the Best Buy card offers more and it's a, it's a better experience. And he, my, my boss was like, well, how, how could you say that? And I said, well, first of all, it's free. And at that point he goes, I got to call you after the, the after this. <laughs> and that's when he called me and chewed me out for mentioning the freaking obvious is that we were charging 10 to 10, 15 bucks for less perks than what uh, Best Buy was giving away for free. So it just, it just killed me. And, uh, but anyway, I'm off. I'm way off track here. Uh, when they bought EB Games, that's when everything started to go off the rails. And everything, you know, before they bought EB Games, yeah, there was a talk. Uh, they, there was ranking f- about your uh, use, your uh, used and your subs and all that, your Game Informer cards and all that good stuff. There was ranking, but there was never this. Oh my God, we have to get you. You 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 have to get ten percent more this week. You have to you ha- you need to do this. You have to improve. You have to. There was none of that crap. It, there was none of it. There was competition, 
but it was a friendly competition. It was more of a peer competition where, you know, you would, I, I'd call my buddy Jeff down the street in the mall and say, you know, I got 20 subs today. How many subs did you get? You know, that's, that sort of thing. And, uh, that, that's, that's what it was. It wasn't this taking people out by the knees if they didn't, you know, Tony Sopranoing people, if, if they didn't get, you know, 15% subs and 25% reservations and 40% used and 20% trade-ins, you, you know, it was, it was, uh, they, there was none of that. It was just, yeah, well, continue doing stuff. We'll continue moving forward. We'll, we'll continue doing stuff to improve the business because as store managers, we were, you know, the executives of the store. We wanted our stores to, to be successful. That That's the way we, we looked at it. And, uh, once we bought we bought EB and GameStop bought EB and they merged with EB, everything changed to the point to where we were no longer trusted to run our stores. We were no longer trusted to be able to manage ourselves in those areas. They had to to tighten the grip, and they really tightened it to the point where it got nonsensical. And um, it, it just it just wasn't a very good experience for my last four years that I was there. And um, one of these days we'll go into more detail about that. But I wanted to go over the uh, why they're failing, why they're failing, because they're in the news right now. They're laying, laying people off, and uh, they're hurting right now for money. They're hemorrhaging cash, according to I think Forbes said they're hemorrhaging cash, which they are. And uh, why can't they get people to go in there and buy games anymore, especially during a time when uh, gamers want a place like GameStop. We I would love it if there was a, a game store here in my, my town where I could go in and talk to the guys and gals about games. I would love to be able to do that. But uh, I wouldn't do it at GameStop. I just I just wouldn't after everything happened the way they did. And it's it's and it's it's a bad company the way they did things. And and there's three reasons there's three pillars to having a successful retail store. And I, I've said this forever. I'll say this until I'm blue in the face. There's three pillars. First, you have to have good relationships with your business partners or marketing partners, as GameStop calls them. You have to have good employees and you have to have a good customer base. If you have those three pillars, you will have a successful retail store. That is just fact of the matter if you have one of those things that does not work to your if you don't have a good relationship with one of those things you're already behind the eight ball and after buying eb gamestop managed to destroy all three of them they destroyed all three of those pillars and we're going to go over them so first we're going to go with marketing slash business partners they call them marketing partners i call them business partners uh if you're going to run a, a retail store uh, chances are you are counting on, oh, you, there's no doubt, you are counting on, on another company for something. Either product, raw materials, you know, whatever. You are, you are, required, you are dealing with at least one other company. You know, uh, you have to be able to, you know, if you look at Aldi, for instance, it carries a lot of generic brands. They still work with different companies to make those brands. Those, you know, the 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 mustard that you get at Aldi might say Berman's on it, but it's made probably by the same people who make French's mustard. It's not that different, 
and, and but they still have to deal with with that company those companies and it's very much the same way with with video games is you have to have a good relationship with your business partners you have to have a good relationship with nintendo and sony and microsoft electronic arts and activision uh not to mention the people who make the controllers your third-party controllers your you know pelicans or performance products and mad cats and whoever else is out there and you have to have good business relationships with these with these companies they provide what product you sell so if you want them to be able to provide you with the product that you want that you need to be successful you have to treat them well you have to be on good terms with them and uh right out of the gate gamestop decided they they didn't care about that now behind this you know behind the scenes of course they did uh uh, still, you know, GameStop. I'm sorry. In front of the scenes, they all still claimed that uh, they were that they loved GameStop, and to a point that was true. We would go to a manager's conference every year. We'd go in and talk to Capcom and Sony and Microsoft and all these companies, and they'd all say we love GameStop. We do. But I remember talking to a guy off the record during that conference, and I won't mention him by name. And I won't mention the company he used to work for because the company's no longer around. But if he's still in the gaming business, I don't want to to uh, impact his stuff, his his success, his 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 career. But he told me he says, "We love your stores, but we hate your company." And the reason why they hate the company was because GameStop focused, assumed, used game sales. If you walked into a game, if you walk into a GameStop right now and you say, I want a copy of Elden Ring on Xbox, they're going to walk over to the shelf, they're going to pick up the used copy of the game, they're going to ring it up and act like that's what you wanted. That is what they're going to do. They don't, they, you don't, they don't ask you if you want new or used. They don't just pick up the copy they have behind the counter, the new copy, and scan it in. They assume you want the used copy. And that ticks off the, the developers and publishers so much because they don't see any of that money. They see none of it. They look at that as a lost sale. Now, to GameStop's defense, chances are the copy that was traded in of Elden Ring was probably used to buy, was normally used to buy another new game. So maybe they bought Elden Ring and they were done with it and they traded in and got Lego Star Wars. So... That, that you know where one door closes one door opens so there is there is that mentality that uh you know there's that 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 and i did the math on that too that when we had a new game that was coming out uh like i think i did it for gears of war one of the gears of war games where i noticed the huge spike in trade-ins and i went and i did the math and realized that 30 percent my, my trade-ins were up 30% that week because of Gears of War. So I, if I did, if I was doing 20% trade-ins and all of a sudden I was doing 50% trade-ins, I was doing that because people were trading in for the big game, the Gears of War. So Gears of War sold much better in my store because of the trade-ins. So that that's something they don't want to talk about, that, that publishers don't understand, developers don't understand. But it's true. It's absolutely true. Uh, now... We're going to get to the customer piece in a second when I talk about prices, but uh, I can just tell you that because of the assumed use and the trade-ins thing, 
GameStop was not on good footing with many developers and publishers. Yeah, in front of the scenes, they would say GameStop's our biggest account. But behind the scenes, as we've seen now, because these newer consoles have come out that are, are focusing more towards digital, they were looking for ways to cut GameStop out of the picture. They did not want to deal with the, with the nonsense that GameStop was putting forth. And uh, so there's your first pillar destroyed right there because of the fact that you were carrying used games, you were promoting used games, and you were assuming the sale of used games over the new stuff. You were making the customer go out of their way to tell you they wanted you to, to, to ring up the new game. And uh, that just completely ticked off all the, the their uh, marketing and business partners. So we're going to talk about the employees now. Second pillar, employees. You have to have a strong staff. And I am very proud to say I am very was very good at building a team. Most of the people who worked for me during my 10 years there, I am still friends with to this day. And uh, they tell me that they miss everything. They don't miss all the nonsense on the outside, but they miss the camaraderie. They miss their friends that they've made. They miss hanging out. And, uh, you know, I, that I made it fun. And I, I do, it makes me smile to hear that, that I... Sometimes I don't have the most self-confidence, but to hear that from people uh, makes me smile to know that I, I've done a couple of things right in my day, and that's, that's definitely one of them. I was very good at team building. And uh, they, the thing is, is that GameStop is specialty retail. Specialty retail is an offset of retail. Now, if we're talking about Walmart, Walmart, Target, Meyer, uh, we have Myers here in the Midwest. I know everyone's got... You know, there's different companies all over your, your Kohl's, you know, your, your, your big box locations, Best Buy, Best Buy, although Best Buy is technically still specialty retail, but, uh, cause they all care is electronics, but, um, they're not the Walmarts and targets are not specialty retail. They're, they're big box retail. Walmart assumes that while you are in there picking up your groceries, that you're going to go by and you're going to pick up a new game or you're going to pick up a new music CD or a movie or buy a t-shirt or pick up some, you know, your prescription, all these different things Walmart does. They are all in one stop. Therefore, they don't require a specialty type of worker. It's a kind of thing that if you go, anyone can apply and work at Walmart. You, they don't assume that you, they don't need you to have a specific set of skills or knowledge to work there because they carry so much product of different things. So yeah, maybe you don't know a lot about video games, but so you won't work in electronics, but if you know a lot about shoes and you know a lot, they have a shoe section, they have a, you know, section for babies, they have a section for diapers and pet treats and all that sort of stuff. So they, they have all these different areas and they, they can assign people as needed to those locations to to uh, be there to help help customers, but Walmart is not a specialty retail location. It's not. Neither is Target. Neither is Meyer. Any other of the big boxes out there, they are there to convenience. They're there for convenience. Then you come to your specialty retailers, which I say Best Buy is specialty retail, but GameStop is definitely specialty retail. Which means the people who go in there have a specific product set in mind a, a specific line of products in mind you there no one walks into gamestop to buy minute rice or fruit and vegetables or a pair of shoes you know or, or you know what i mean things like that 
they're not they're they're you go into GameStop to buy video games and stuff and stuff now because they have toys and all that sort of stuff. But they are very specific as to they have a narrow lane as to what they're trying to sell. Therefore, their employees have to be specialized. They're you know they have to know a lot about the industry or or, or not the industry, but they have to know a lot about the product because no one wants to go into a game store and say, "Hey, how is Elden Ring?" And the kid behind the counter goes, I flip and don't play games. I don't know. Well, then why did you hire the kid? Because the kid's supposed to be there to, to, to sell video games, not to write a cash register. So, they have to have a very, they have to have a very specialized type of employee. Now, luckily, for GameStop throughout the years, it's been a growing entertainment medium. So there's a lot of people out there who play video games. And it's been growing and growing and growing. When I got involved with gaming, it wasn't that way. It was it was growing, but it wasn't what it turned into. You know, I was I've said it before, I was I was an outcast in a lot of ways. So uh, to know to to be able to talk to people about games was a dream come true for me. But uh, it was not the big thing that it was now. So you still didn't have a whole lot of business the same way that is out there now with gaming. GameStop, in order to staff their stores properly, has to recruit their workers directly from their customer base. Hmm. What could possibly go wrong there, right? What happens if you have a bunch of employees that were, you know, that were former customers that uh, you don't treat well, that you uh, you treat like crap, and and uh, you you don't uh, you pay, you underpay them, and you overwork them, and you put uh, all this this crap on their shoulders, and you stress them out. You know, a eighteen year old kid, first job he ever had, he's making minimum wage, and his store manager has to constantly remind him, "Hey, I need you to get." five subs tonight and and 10 reservations otherwise you know we're gonna have to find someone else to do your job for you which does happen no matter what GameStop says they're lying they do get rid of people for reservations and subs they do they absolutely do and uh they might not put that as a reason for termination but they start paying a lot more attention to people that uh, don't have uh, the numbers that GameStop wants them to have. So they're, they're, they are poaching talent from their customer base to staff their stores. So they treat their employees like crap. They overwork them. They underpay them. Stress them out. And yes, they do stress them out. I uh, personally developed health problems my last couple of years there at GameStop. And well, and uh, that was another problem I had with them because not only was I trying to go back to college, which they fought with me about, but they also fought with me about going to the doctor. To and I had health insurance through them too, but they would often get on to me about uh, uh, taking time to do things and to, to go to the doctor, and even though I was sacrificing time to go to inventories and things like that, and I. I, I, I've always said I want to write a book about my experience at GameStop and how horrible it was, but maybe I'll do that one of these days.
but they treated they treat their people like crap. So what happens when those people leave GameStop? Are they going to go back to being customers? Most of them don't, especially when you consider that a lot of video game people are tech savvy. They like tech. So where are they going next to get their, their games? Literally anywhere else. Literally anywhere else. Because everybody sells games, including online. Amazon. You can go on Amazon. If you're a Prime member, you get free shipping. They, sh they deliver it to your house. <laughs> you don't have to go to GameStop. You don't have to, to listen to sales pitches, in which we're going to get into. You don't have to, to, to do that. Instead, you click a button, buy now. Boom, there it is. You don't have to worry about dealing with anything else. And that's what a lot of people did that left GameStop, myself included. Like I said, I've only been there uh, one time, I, or three times since I, uh, since I left the company. And one time was to give my friend Amy a hug. I was walking by her store and a friend of mine came out of there and said you should go in and see Amy because she saw you there and she, she saw you walk by and she's upset that you didn't come in to, to say hi. So I walked in and gave her a hug. It's one of the times I've been into a store. So, and GameStop should be begging people like me to come into the store. They should be on their knees begging me to come in because, guys, I'm surrounded I'm looking at shelves and shelves of freaking video games in my room here, in my, my game room. I have a lifetime of video games. I'm the kind of customer they should be bending over backwards to placate. But instead, they don't do that. They don't care. Because they look at themselves as being like Walmart. And they're not. They're taking cut. They they take talent away from their customer uh, their their customer pool. They treat them like crap. And when the customer when the employees leave, they don't go back to being customers. That's exactly what happens. So that there is your second pillar completely destroyed. They treat their employees like crap. They hold them to high higher and higher standards. And I've heard there it's actually getting worse uh, for 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 them. Then it, then it has gotten better. They underpay them. They they uh, overworked them or underworked them over and underwork. It's I cannot tell you how many times I had people who worked for me that were excellent employees, excellent, well trained. They cared. They were great. I loved them. Love them. But I can only work them one day a week, three hours a week. So explain to me. How I'm supposed to give a kid three hours a week and have him care or her care about what goes on when they're not there, or you know that get them to care. They they can't do it. They're not they're they're making. I mean, you're literally paying them fifteen dollars, sixteen dollars a week because they make you know they were making five bucks five you know. You know, not even six bucks an hour. They're making minimum wage, and they're working three hours a week. How is that going to turn them into a loyal employee? It's not. It's absolutely not. So you either overwork them or you underwork them, and then you underpay them. You treat them like crap. They leave, and you never see them again. They don't. They no, they they never give you another dime, 
And that is probably the the most underlying thing that has really sunk GameStop sunk GameStop that they don't talk about. Because you always read about, oh, they're hemorrhaging money. Oh, they made poor decisions with this. They did that. They shouldn't have done this. No. The number one thing, in my opinion, that's doing them in is that their former employees hate them. Hate them so much that they don't go back into the store. And I have a ton of video games here. And I can tell you that for the last... Since PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and uh, the Wii U came out. I own two games that came from GameStop. And they, they came with my PlayStation 5. No, actually I own one because I took, I took that basketball game to Target and they swapped it out for me. <laughs> Even though I didn't buy it there, they still swapped it out for me. Told them I got it for Christmas and I just wanted to get another game. So that's what they did. GameStop wouldn't do it for me, but Target did. And that is what's really sad is that I don't think GameStop even knows it. I don't think they realize it. They, they, they look at it as being a very small piece of the pie. The, most, the, the, the people who work in those stores are the most diehard and passionate about the business, about the industry. Why wouldn't you want them to stay customers once they leave? They they made such poor decisions with that, and now we're going to get to the customer base, and everybody thinks customer base is the reason why that they're they're uh, they're gone, and this is another big one too. Uh, the they're they're the third the third pillar is customers. You have to have a good loyal uh, customer base, quite frankly. And for a long time, a lot of stores did, but do many reasons, one of which being that they hired a lot of them and treated them like crap, so when they left, they wouldn't come back. The other thing is, the, the other part of it is, is that you put high-pressure sales on these customers that are buying freaking video games. You know, a, a kid comes in to buy a copy of Pokemon, he saved his, his money all summer. He mowed lawns, and he really wanted to come in and buy a copy of Pokemon for the DS and he comes in and he, he drops the you know all the, the money he's got wadded up from his piggy bank on the counter. And according to GameStop Standard Operating Procedure, SOP, you're supposed to offer that kid a reservation. And you're supposed to make sure you offer that kid a, a Game Informer card. Even though, even though it's this kid, you know, this little kid's first purchase ever. He had to save us nickels and dimes. We have to hassle that kid for, for in front of his parents for more stuff. More stuff. GameStop's uh, uh, thing. They've never, I've, they've never said this, but this is this is what the the way they operate the business. You walk into one of their stores to buy a specific product, and I just said specific product, and automatically a game comes to your mind. So you could walk in there right now and say, "I'm going." Since I've been using Elden Ring, you go in to buy Elden Ring. So you go into GameStop. I, I want to buy a copy of Elden Ring. GameStop's whole business model is about making sure they convince you to buy six different things except the reason why you went in there. Because they assume that you came in there to buy a game. Because where else are you going to go? That's the way they looked at it. Well, where else are they going to go to buy Elden Ring? Walmart? Target? Best Buy? Yes. 
and Amazon. That's where they're going to go. But GameStop was so full of themselves, they did not understand that they were driving their customers away to check out other locations, other stores, to see they didn't have to come into uh, these GameStops and deal with the nonsense. They didn't. They could go to Walmart and find a kid to unlock a cabinet to get the game that they wanted. You know, they could go online and click a button. They didn't have to. And they didn't have to go into a GameStop and deal with your sales pitches and look a kid who's, like as we've talked about, underworked or overworked, underpaid, and is really just trying to make sure he doesn't get fired. And uh, they don't have to deal with that. They, the, the customers abandoned GameStop because GameStop got too freaking greedy about things. Now, again, I'm going to tell you that their business model was one that would not have worked. If, if, it, if they revolved around new games, only new games and consoles, they would, they would not have made it out of the gate. They would not have. It's used games that have kept them afloat for so many years. And yeah, they're, when they finally eventually had that final nail driven into their coffin... Uh, they're still going to have a lot of, of used product out there. You know, they're probably going to sell their assets to somebody. But at the same time, you have to have a tipping point. You know, you customer comes in, you uh, they want to buy a game, and you, you should know your your business too. Little Johnny, who who's been mowing lawns all summer to buy a Pokemon game, you don't hassle that kid for a reservation. You don't hassle that kid for a, a, a game informer subscription. Give the you know sell the kid his Pokemon game. Let him be happy. You know your the the grandmas who come in during the holidays on on Black Friday. They're just there with a list of games. I have no idea what they're talking about. Or come in and ask you. I'm looking for a, you know a game with a guy with that's in military fatigues on the cover, which I've had happen to me. That sweet old lady is not interested in getting Game Informer magazine, nor is she going to freaking reserve anything. Why would you ask her those things? She's there to, to, to make her grandkids happy. She's there to, to buy a gift so they open up that gift on Christmas. She can watch their eyes light up and, and, and be happy. That's why she's there. She's not there to be, to be lectured or sold to. She wants a copy of whatever, sell it to her, and let her be on her way. That's what... She, you know that, that and that, that's how it is with, with with other customers. Meanwhile, your gamers who come in, then you know your gamers when they come in because guys, we all know them when you see them. Especially if you've worked in the industry as long as I have, you see them coming a mile away. That's where you get your reservations and your subs from. That's where you you get your loyal your your customer loyalty. I, I I've said this before, and I don't think I've ever said it on on this podcast. I know I haven't said it on the podcast. I don't think. The, the, the end thing right now is these cards. These uh, Everyone's got a card. Grocery stores have a card. Loyalty card, right? You go into the store, you scan your card, and you get the sale prices on things. And that's the card is there to, to track your, uh, your buying habits. So they know what, what the coupons to send you and what things to put on sale because that's how grocery stores work. But your shoe stores have, have uh, loyalty cards and... Starbucks has a loyalty card. Subway has a, Everybody's got a flipping loyalty card now. So many people have them 
that it's no longer useful as a tool to track customer loyalty because everybody's got one. It's there. There's no loyalty. Just because you sell somebody a car doesn't mean they're going to be a loyal customer. Just because you sell somebody a reservation does not mean they've, they've gone to a, become a loyal customer. And I, 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 this is, this is, here's, here's a great story. Uh, one of the second district manager I worked with when I was uh, working at, uh, at GameStop was a little man. And I'm not going to mention his name, even though, uh, there are <laughs> anyone who knows me knows exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, I don't use the word hate very often. I really don't. I don't like it. Uh, and I've often said I save my venom for things that really deserve it. I hate this man. Like to this day, he is one of the, you know, he's on the, the very short list of people that I, I truly, truly despise. Uh, I, have, I remember telling someone what I wouldn't pee on him if he were on fire. I, he, he made me miserable. I hated his guts. And, uh, Boy, I, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't talk more about him. I can't because it's, boy, it's, whoo, whoo. But anyway, um, he was in my store and this dude walked in and was looking at the Xbox games and you know, I asked him, I said, can I help you with anything? He goes, no, man, I'm just looking. Okay. Let me know if you need some help. Well, my boss was there. And decided I didn't do a good enough job of helping this guy out. Even though the correct procedure when you're doing customer service sales is that you ask them if they need some help. If they say, no, I'm just looking, you let them look for a couple of minutes. Let them, you know, let them give them five minutes. Then you say, are you finding everything all right? And then they'll, then usually, if they're still, if they have a certain product in mind, they'll tell you. If not, and they'll say, no, man, I'm still, I'm still, still okay. Okay. You don't, the thing is you want to make it as welcoming and as, uh, as personalized for the customer as you can. If they want to talk to you, they will talk to you. That's how it works. I go into to this day, I'll walk into a Best Buy and if a kid walks up to me in the, in the games, when I'm looking at the games, I know more than this kid. I'm 99.9% certain I know more about what he sells than than what he does. He doesn't know that, and it's not his fault. So I'm not going to smart off to him. He's going to go, no, man, I'm just looking. Thanks. That's what most customers do. I'm just looking. Then you ask them five minutes later if they're finding everything all right, then we go from there. Well, my idiot, the district manager, and yes, you are an idiot if you are listening, uh, followed this guy around the store. And he was like five foot two or three. He was a very short man. And he had Napoleon complex at the yin-yang. Probably still does. Uh, if, I, if we ever do another GameStop episode, I will go into more detail about this guy. I don't want to mention names. I really don't. But uh, this guy, he followed this guy around the store and was badgering him about reserving the new splinter cell. He just, he followed this guy around the store 
and the guy was trying to get away from him. He was looking at the Xbox games. He he goes off and looks at the PlayStation games. I don't think he even had a PlayStation, but he was trying to get away from my boss. And my boss was all over him like stink on a pig. He just would not leave him alone. And about Splinter Cell, about the new Splinter Cell. Oh, God, new Splinter Cell's coming out. Make sure you reserve new Splinter Cell. Now, we didn't know. He didn't know what this guy liked. He had no idea. Because the guy never told us what he was looking for. But because Splinter Cell was coming out in a couple of weeks, he was all over this guy about freaking Splinter Cell. And I can flat out tell you, Splinter Cell is not the kind of game that appeals to everybody. Or a large market. It's a... it's. It's a niche market. It's uh, you know, Metal Gear's niche, but it's more niche because it's not Metal Gear. You know what I'm saying? It's it's not like we're talking about Super Mario or John Madden football or you know, Call of Duty. We're not talking about anything like that. We're talking about freaking Splinter Cell, right? And this guy is all over this dude about Splinter Cell. So finally, he said. He, the he guy gets he picks up a game he comes up to the counter don't remember the game I'm getting the game out for him and my boss is standing behind him and he says come on man you need to reserve Splinter Cell and so the guy the guy turns around and looks at him and says effing fine I'll do it just leave me alone and my boss gets a big grin on his face and just waddles off like the little a little guy that he is, and just as happy as a clam, and go just just as plucky plucky little duck. He's a happy guy. Dude looks back at me and goes, "I'm only doing this because I was about to punch him." And I smiled and kind of said, "I wouldn't have seen anything." <laughs> but he he was, and and I never saw that guy again. That was the thing is that it did not turn that guy into a loyal customer. It did not. It ran him off. That five bucks that he put down on Splinter Cell is probably still a store credit somewhere in one of their uh, computers. And that was freaking almost 20 years ago. It was 20 years ago. And they still probably have that dude's $5 credit somewhere. Not in the store that I worked at because that store closed. But it, it's just beyond me why they think that getting someone to do a $5 reservation automatically makes them a loyal customer, especially if you badger them like that. That wasn't customer service. That was badgering. And that runs people off. And it's another reason that people flocked to Amazon. You want to know why Amazon is the biggest retail company in the world right now? It's got nothing to do with uh, their great service or anything like that. It has everything to do with convenience and the fact they don't have to deal uh, retail workers anymore. That's the reason that Amazon does so well is you can go on there and buy your video games and buy your computers and and buy headphones and all these different things and you don't have to listen to a sales pitch from a from a kid from from a, someone at a, at, a, at a store. You they, you walk in you you pull it up. You can look at customer reviews. It's all right there. No, you can't sample the product, and that's something with TVs. I've, I, I think that, that I, I would prefer having that, but uh, with with TVs, because I, I, I want to see what a TV can do before I buy it. But that's the that's the reason Amazon is doing so well is because they have sopped up all this business that has been 
uh, and video games in particular, that has been squandered by GameStop. GameStop completely killed their business because of, with their customers, due to their their insistency on add-on sales. And again, we definitely need add-on sales. They need an add-on sale. I, I get it. But every customer, is it's not a one-size-fits-all thing. It's just not. And if you completely badger your customer base into doing this stuff, they are, it's, it's, they're just not going to uh, become loyal customers that way. In fact, it's going to have the opposite effect. So GameStop, if you're listening and you want to survive, remove this bullcrap where you are putting your, your employees under the gun of add-on sales as being a, a success, uh, you keeping it for employment, uh, keeping keeping them employed. That's just not the way to do things. Because once they leave, they're never going to come back to your store. And if they badger your customers because their jobs are on the line, they're going to lose you customers. It's a losing proposition both ways. I I just don't I I don't see it. I've never seen the 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 value in badgering. I get the point in asking asking people. But it's it, you know, not everybody eats McDonald's hamburgers. So why would you assume that everyone <laughs> eats McDonald's hamburgers? Why would you assume that everyone is going to reserve a game or everyone's going to want a Game Informer subscription and all that? And and I've I've said it that if they made me CEO tomorrow, I don't know if I said it on this earlier or not. If GameStop came to me tomorrow and said, "Enigma, you're the CEO of GameStop. What are you going to do?" I would fire every middle management, uh, every middle manager that 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 they, that they had. Regional director and district manager would be completely gone because that's where it all started. That's where all the, the, the cancerous stuff with GameStop really started. Is middle management telling stores how they need to, to operate and what they have to do. Middle management killed that company. And it's really sad because it was a good company. When I got there, first got there, it was a fun company to work for. We had a good time. You know, uh, I, I do know that, you know, we, we would have nights together. I remember taking my staff to go see uh, Avengers when it came out. I remember taking my staff. We went to uh, one day, we went to go see uh, something in one of the uh, a theater. I don't remember the movie we saw. But, uh, you know, we went to go see movies together. We would play games together. We would do all this stuff, and, and it was a good good atmosphere and and, uh, and and all that good stuff. But, you know, I, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed spending time with my staff. But at the same time, I was shielding my staff from the slings and arrows that were coming in from, from the company. And it really hurt me uh, health-wise to do so. You know, I, I was, I had a, I, I developed some serious, uh, health problems due to that because of the stress levels. And I, I just, I was, I was miserable. I was absolutely miserable. And that's why, as I was talking about it on stream the other night, is that, uh, one holiday after I had a really bad holiday, holiday, Christmas holidays, what I mean, I don't I mean I went on vacation. I 
I just said, that's it. I can't. I, I just, I cannot do this for the rest of my life. There's just no way I'll be, I'll be dead in the next 10 years if I continue doing this because I was running myself ragged. I was miserable inside and I was getting my, my rear end chewed out every day by either customers. Well, sometimes customers, I didn't have Wii consoles. Uh, so that was happening every day, but I was getting my butt chewed out by a district manager as well. Because while we weren't doing poorly here, we could be doing better. It's not about, you know, we could always be doing better. It could always be doing better. Why Why were you only 25% reservations last week? You know, I'd realize that's a quarter of your customer base. You should be at 30%. Why aren't you 30? And if I'd have gotten to 30, why aren't you at 35%? Why aren't you doing more? You should be doing more. And it's it, it just, it got disgusting and I developed serious health problems because of it. And then when I went to the doctor about it, they fought with me going to the doctor about it. My district manager didn't, was was all over me about missing work to go to the doctor to deal with the health problem that the store gave me. And boy, oh boy, I just, I, whew, whew. and then there towards the end, you know, it's, it's not that uh, I was doing anything particularly wrong, but because I think they realized they had used me up, that I, I was on my way out anyway. I was, they knew I was going to college because they fought with me about going to college. And I think they realized once I got out of college, I was leaving, which still would have been another couple of years. But I was, I was a problem child because I spoke out against things because I wanted things to get better. I would not fire my staff because they were underperforming in the eyes of the district manager. I would not completely badger my customers day in and day out to, to, to reserve and to, and to, uh, Subscribe to flipping Game Informer. None of that stuff. I wouldn't do that stuff. I was trying to make my customers happy. I was trying to serve my customer base, which is what retail is. That's what retail is, is it's serving your customer base. It's not, if you value it. I, I remember telling a peer of mine, who I think is still with the company, I said, if a guy comes into my store and buys an Xbox 360 and 20 games and an extra controller, according to GameStop, it's a failure of a transaction if he doesn't reserve something and get a Game Informer subscription to go with it. He can come in and, buy, and, and spend $2,000 in cash, and it's a failure to GameStop. They look, at it, they, they look at that transaction as a failure because of I didn't get a $5 reservation and a $10 $15 whatever it was subscription card and if you that that's where you it really becomes crystal clear in business if someone comes to me if I'm running a, 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 a retail store and someone says hey I have two sales here this guy paid two thousand dollars for this product this guy came in and paid us fifteen dollars to reserve something and to uh, get a get a discount card which transaction do you, is the one I, I care more about? The two thousand dollar one, because that's that's the one that I want. That's the one where you have the, you make more profitability off of it. The freaking reservation and the and the the thing or, or the reservation or the, uh, the 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 discount card are nice. They're great, but that you can't base your business model based off of that crap. 
You can't. You have to base it off of sales. You have to base it off of product coming in and going out. And that's the reason that they're failing is because they have put so much willpower behind these stupid programs, behind these programs that, yeah, they're nice. You know, I, I'm a believer in the, in the reservation program. I, I am because it helps out the publishers as much as it helps out the company. You know, if, if, if one company is taking 20,000 reservations on a game and they're X amount of percentage of the business, you know how much to print. Why would you print more than you need to? There, you know, it's, it's, uh, I believe in that program. I do believe in reservation, the, 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 especially for a small store reservation program. I really do believe in that. But I don't believe in making that the, the, the tent pole of your freaking business. What kind of idiotic business model guy are they are, are they do they have there that's saying this is this is the way I'm the Mandalorian and this is the way you have to have your know, reservations and subscription cards otherwise your business is going to fail dude your business is going to fail anyway if you don't stop doing that crap so you make your your your, your, the companies you deal with hate your guts because you don't sell their product the way that they, uh, they want you to. You're recruiting your uh, customers directly from your customer base, so when you treat them like crap, they don't come back. And then your customers that do keep coming in, you badger them constantly for for nonsense things like reservations and subscription cards. And you want to know why you're going out of business? You want to know why your stores are closing? The writing's on the wall, guys. Real simple not hard you don't have to have a six-year degree in business like i do to tell you that but since i have one that's what's happening that's what's happening and if it sounds like i'm very passionate about this and i am because gamestop should be a runaway success to this day they they should they really should but they're not and the reason that they're not is because they are basing their success rate off of things that don't matter in the long run. The only thing that should matter to GameStop right now is becoming profitable, making their stores profitable, making their website profitable. And what's going to make them profitable? I'm telling you right now, it's not going to be add-on transactions like that. It's going to be showing and servicing your customer base and, and, and showing them that you're going to be there to help them for their gaming entertainment needs. That's what they want. They do not want a 18-year-old kid whose job is hanging in the balance to quiver in his boots as he's trying to get you to reserve the latest freaking John Madden game. I'm sorry. That's not what they want. They want to know that when they want to go in there to pick up a copy of Elden Ring, that they're going to have it, that you'll sell it to them, and... Uh, that you're there for all their stuff. And then while they're there, they'll look around at your other stuff. Maybe they'll pick up another game. Maybe they'll... But you that's how you build up loyalty. By having the product, selling it with a smile, and being there to, to get to know and to help those customers. Servicing your community. Servicing your customer base. 
That's how you do it. And service is not defined by how many flipping cards or reservations that you get. That's not service. That's the perversion of service that that, that company has come up with. I, I can tell you that uh, for a while, to, towards the end of my time there, they were doing a uh, customer uh, survey at the bottom of their receipts, right? Where you go on and fill out a customer survey, you know, if you were there, how did they do? You know, what would you change and that sort of stuff? And they were taking the uh, comments, and they were perverse, perverting the comments to make them sound like we weren't doing our jobs in the store. So if something that we we would have is, I, I we got one that said uh, in our region, our district, in our district. Not my store, but it was another store. Your your the games of your the the prices of your games are too high. Is what it said. Well, that wasn't we were selling games for too expensive. It was because we weren't offering trade ins and discount cards. That's the way they took it. Even though it doesn't, that's not what it said. That's not what it said at all. That's not what it meant. It meant that if you walk into a, a GameStop and they're selling a brand new game for sixty and they're selling it used for fifty five, that's too expensive. That's what they meant. Not that you can pay fifteen dollars, you get five bucks off of the price because you're still paying ten bucks more. But boy, oh boy, they never got it. They deserve their place on the pyre right now because they they do not learn from their mistakes. They just they don't, and they they've made it worse. They've made it a lot worse on themselves, and I just. There, there's a, there is a, a place for, for a gaming store. Uh, there, there, there's a lot of places we could, that, that uh, people want to go. That they want to go for that stuff. There's, we want to go. We want a place to go and hang out to, to play video games and to, to, to talk to people about video games. There really is. But we don't want it to be GameStop. Because GameStop has, has, has treated everybody so poorly for so, for so long. That they become a joke. They become a meme at this point. <laughs> I could... It, what, what was it? Uh, someone, when GameStop was trying to get to sell themselves to a private firm or something, some guy puts on Twitter or, or Facebook, tell GameStop I'll give them $3.55 <laughs> for, for their company. You know, And it's just funny. It's funny. Because that's what they would do with their their prices and that's the other thing about their customers their prices were all messed up you, you would buy a brand new game for $60 bring it in and trade it in the next day they give you 15 bucks for it and then sell it for 55 and don't think for one second people don't notice that you know there's there's profitability and then there's screwing over your customers <laughs> that's screwing over your customers <laughs> Big time. Big, big, big time. So, anyway. That's going to do it for our uh, episode this week. I was going to do uh, digital games this week. And I'll probably do that next week. My, I don't like digital games. But I know it's a little bit business heavy. I know it's probably a little more negative. But uh, I'm very passionate about the business of gaming. About the gaming industry. And wanting to see it succeed. I'm very passionate about it. I'm very, I, and, and it makes me mad 
that they built up this this huge empire that they could to this day be so successful and since they bought eb it, you can trace back every decision just about every big decision they've made and realize they've made the wrong one i i remember asking my boss what are you going to do when the when the wee bubble bursts and he looked at me like he had no idea what I was talking about. And I said, yeah, the, you know, eventually the Wii is not going to be sold out anymore. It's going to be, it's going to be readily available. It'll be everywhere. And, uh, people will really be over it or the, or the, the market that, that Nintendo has established for the Wii will all have them and it won't sell as well anymore. What are you going to do when that happens? Because GameStop for a couple of years was was hanging on the Wii. The Wii was was their their thing. They were, God, we're selling Wiis like crazy. That's right. What are you going to do when that stops? What's, what's the next step? How are you going to... What? What? What do you mean? Well, obviously they didn't have anything. They had no idea. And uh, like I said, they, they have earned where they are on the, on the, on the pyre. Uh, I would feel bad for them, but I don't. It, it really makes me mad that they have done what they have done uh, to the industry. And um, they should be a lot more successful. They should be making money hand over fist. But they're not. They're not. And uh, it's only their fault. It's it's their management's fault. It's not the it's not the employees. It's not the customers. It's that you have three pillars of business that you should be trying to bend over backwards to placate, and instead of that, you have ticked off every one of them to the point where no one wants to be around. No one wants to shop. Or deal or do business with you anymore, and that's the truth. So going on is truth there. But anyway, guys, we're gonna go ahead and close it down here. Uh, next week we'll probably talk about uh, digital gaming, and I'll do a review. I think of uh, the Capcom Arcade Stadium Two because it won't be as long. My reasons for digital gaming. Which actually kind of ties into GameStop. Digital gaming exists because they're trying to get rid of GameStop. <laughs> but uh, I, again, I'm sorry it was a little negative, but I, I'm I'm very passionate about the business, and it really ticks me off when this crap happens. You know that uh, they should be successful, they should be doing really well, and nope, not going to happen. It's what they get. But anyway. So, uh, you know, share the podcast, let people know that I'm here. I would, uh, love it if we would, uh, you know, build up more of an audience. I want to thank everyone who's listened to it so far. We're still floating around between 10 and 15 people listening to the podcast every week. That's really good. I do appreciate that. Hopefully we will uh, continue with that. Building the audience, share, let people know that I'm here. Uh, follow me on Twitter, follow my Twitch account. I will be streaming, uh... It's Saturday as I record this. I'll be streaming tonight for my my bourbon stream. I will do uh, sips of bourbon for subs. So drop by and help get me a little uh, little inebriated. 
and we will go from there. Okay, guys? So don't forget, I do believe gaming brings everybody together. And I really hope that you've had a wonderful week, or you're going to have a wonderful week because these release on Monday, uh, that you're keeping up with everything. You're getting enough rest. You're getting enough water, enough exercise. You're doing well, keeping a smile on your face, staying warm or cool, depending on where you live this time of year. And uh, guys, I'll see you soon, okay? Have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful week. And please take care of yourselves. Mm -hmm.